Bible tells us that by his stripes we are healed. What Christ did on that cross was not simply a historical event in the past, but it has ongoing power and consequence for each and every single one of us today. The cross that he bore, and he calls us to carry our own cross daily to give our lives in his service. Today our um, passage is Acts chapter 14, verses 21. Acts chapter 14, we're going to read verses 21, excuse me, to 28. Now today we are wrapping up this first missionary journey. Remember, as we've walked through the book of Acts, uh, we began, and it was mostly all about Peter and the other 12 apostles, what God was doing through them, uh, the, the Holy Spirit worked through them, and that kind of that took up the first, uh, the first several, let's see, it's all good as far as I know. Um, I was getting messages from the back. Um, you know, it's... We get uh, this part about Peter and them and the disciples. And then we start to see Paul coming on the scene. First as an unbeliever who goes in and tries to wreck the church. Uh, but then he has that conversion on the uh, road to Damascus. And, and you know, he, um, he begins the opposite way of just working for God. And, and then he and, and Barnabas and several other folks are in uh, the city of Antioch uh, in Syria. And uh, they, they began this, uh, they're just working, and the church is growing, and God's doing all kinds of things in this, this mixed congregation that has both Jews and Gentiles in it. God's doing amazing things. And one day, God calls them out for a, um, a mission uh, project, a journey. He says, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, to this work that I've appointed them for. And so... Um, I, uh, I, should have, I, I should have asked Matt to, to pull up that map we showed at the very beginning, but, but basically we started there in Antioch, and, and they went down, and, and they uh, went to that island of Cyprus, and, and they've been working their way almost in a big circle to the point when we, where we were last week. Uh, they were basically just a few days' journey from being all the way back to Antioch where they started. And so we would think that today, in this last little section, that they would make the jump and, and go on back to Antioch, because that's where they were about back to. There you go. So they've made this, this whole journey all the way around, and they could have just gone back. But instead, they backtrack, and they go back through some of the other cities, through the cities that they had already been to. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you would, please stand with me as we read... Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 21, and we'll see about this journey that they made. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church. 
With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, and they went down to Atalia. And finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work that they had now completed. Upon arrival to Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for this, this story that we've been hearing about this missionary journey. And God, we pray that this last portion of the trip, God, that we would learn from it something about uh, how you would have us behave, how you would have us, uh, Father, help other believers and, and help the church. And Father, help us to be committed, all of us, to building the church because the church is precious. Father, your son Jesus died for the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And Lord, we who are believers, every one of us, make up the church. Father, help us to never, ever forget how important the church is uh, to you and to your kingdom work. And God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a question for you. This is, this is a raise your hand kind of question. This is, this is a be honest question, okay? You're in church. Reminding you of that before I ask you the question. How many of you at some point in your life have wanted to be more fit than you are? Okay, pretty much all hands. All right, most of us. Most of us. Uh, those of us who didn't are probably those who just haven't quite got to that age where it's not so easy yet, but uh, most of us. Now, this is not a raise-your-hand question. The second question, just, just think about it. You can nod if you want. How many of you have ever wanted someone else around you to be more fit? Think about that. Okay, no, no raising hands. You could get in bad trouble here. <laughs> See, look at that. I saw a smart husband was shaking his head. He was like, I'm not getting on trouble on this one. But uh, it's, it has been heard, been known to happen once in a while that people have desired for other people around them uh, to be more fit. It might be that uh, somewhere along the line, uh, some lady has thought if he would get out of that lazy boy and put that remote down, then you know, maybe, or someone has thought if she would just, you know, uh, you know so some people have thought about that, some of our members, of course, but somewhere people have thought that. And uh, then, then maybe at work, maybe, maybe somebody has thought, well, if they would just, you know, get in a little better shape, they might move a little faster, and maybe they could do their job a little better. Again, other people think these thoughts, not you guys, I know. But, uh, you know, and, and some people, it, it might be possible that some people, even in church, they look at the people standing up front, at the ministers, and they might say, you know, they could stand to lose a little bit. So, um, yeah, uh, I think there might be some agreement. So, Philip and Tyler, y'all going to have to tighten up. That's all I got to say. <laughs> tighten up. Um, but, you know, um, those are kind of maybe not helpful ways, but sometimes we've really, seriously, we, we might want to help somebody. We have someone they love, and, 
And, and we know that uh, if, if, if they don't get a little better, if they don't get fitter, they're not going to enjoy a great quality of life. Or if they don't do something, you know, they might have a, another heart incident. Or, you know, we, sometimes we have legitimate reasons why we would want to help someone be more fit. Well, uh, physically speaking, I don't know how all that works. You know, nagging doesn't work. You know, <laughs> do you know? I'm going to give you a helpful hint. Anybody that's overweight knows it. Do you know that? That's, that's breaking news because sometimes people think they are letting them in on an epiphany. Guess what? You should lose a little bit. Well, people know that. But those people who are trying to do better, they're on a diet or they're on a plan or they're on a new lifestyle. You know, we can't say diet anymore, right? Because that has the word die in it. So now we have to have new things that, that we say instead of diet. But... Um, those people who are actually trying, they, they do want your help, probably, unlike those people that say, let me eat my chips, leave me alone, okay? And, and, and they want you to be encouraging. They want you to be helpful. They don't want you to put the little Debbie in their face and say, you want one of these, you know? Well, physically speaking, if, if someone was trying to grow uh, more fit physically, we'd want to help them and encourage them and pat them on the back and all those kind of things. Well, certainly, uh, in the same way, if someone was wanting to grow spiritually, if they were wanting to get more fit, if they were wanting to get stronger in the faith, we'd want to help them out. We wouldn't want them just to struggle and say, oh, that's just so sad. They're floundering in their faith. Hope they, hope they do better. We'd want to help them. And that's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. That, that big circle thing where we said, oh, they were almost all the way home and they were so close, and they could have slept in their own bed, and they could have been comfortable in a place they were loved, and in their home church. Why in the world did they backtrack and go all the way back around to these churches? Because they knew that there were these new Christians who, yes, they were believers, and they were on fire for God, and they loved Jesus and all that, but they could use some help. They could use some strength to, to grow a church. Obviously, we got to proclaim the gospel both publicly and privately. We have to tell people about Jesus. But our responsibility doesn't stop with saying, hey, do you know Jesus died for you? Do you believe in that? Yes, you do. Great. You're a Christian now. Some people treat it like that. We think oh, that's the end of the matter. But the reality is, is that, that we're to help one another. We're to strengthen one another. And so we can see what Paul and Barnabas did in strengthening believers we can take that, and we can learn from it. How can we strengthen our church? How can we strengthen other believers around us? And again, you're going to have a hard time strengthening somebody, helping someone get fit if they don't want to spiritually, just like, you know, just like in the physical world. But if someone is trying, if someone is wanting to go, grow closer to the Lord, we can help them. So I want us to think about what are these things if he strengthened the church, if Paul and Barnabas did this, what did they do, and, and how can we strengthen others? Number one thing is encouragement. Encouragement. The Bible says that he went around encouraging, or some translations say exhorting the believers or the disciples. What does this mean? Does this mean that Paul went back to, to the city of uh, Iconium, and he looked out at the congregation and he said, Boy, you guys look sharp today. You've dressed your best for this meeting. Well, I'm sure we all like that kind of encouragement that, 
But that's not what it is. It's, it's more of a attaboy type encouragement. It's more of a you can do it. Don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, keep on walking with the Lord. You're already doing the right thing. Don't stop. Don't get off the path. Don't go left or right. But keep going in the right direction. You know, that uh, I've been told that in a classroom that there's two kind of kids that get the attention. There's that bad kid that's always acting out, right, and they're always doing something, and, and they get the teacher's attention. And then there's that, maybe that brainiac who's like, it's me, I got the answer, I got the answer, and, and, and they spout it off before anyone else can say it. And that kid gets the attention, and they say, what, the, the, the normal kids who are doing what they're supposed to do, sitting in their desk, maybe they don't get so much attention. And maybe that's not always the best thing. We need to look around to average, ordinary Christians and, and say, hey, I want to encourage you. Thank you for, for living for Jesus. And, and, and even if we can get specific, we can say, I saw that you did this, and this means a lot to me. Encouragement is something that all of us need. And Paul, even though we think about him as some hard-charging, hard-driving, you know, uh, just trailblazing kind of guy, he knew that people need encouragement. And so you and I need to lift others up. We need to encourage them. Secondly, he strengthened them by giving them a warning. Or we might say a reality check. He says, the Bible says this, they encourage them to continue in their faith, listen, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is different from a lot of teaching and preaching we hear today that says, hey, become a Christian and all your problems will be solved. Uh, and, and sometimes we say things that, that might be true but could be misled if we say Jesus is the answer. Well, yes, Jesus is the answer to all of your issues. But what Jesus may do in your issue is that he'll give you grace and strength and he'll walk with you through that issue rather than people getting the opinion, oh, Jesus is going to bail me out. Jesus is going to just take me away from this, you know. He's going to totally remove it, the, the consequences of my behavior, or even this thing that I didn't deserve and I didn't do, God's just going to take it all away. And the Bible never promises that. He says that we have to go through many hardships before that day and that we enter into God's kingdom, before that day that we enter into glory, we're going to go through a lot of tough stuff in our life. In this world, you'll have many troubles, is what Jesus said. One of the best things that we can do, and this goes along with the first thing, is we can remind people, hey, you know, there's some tough times ahead. Uh, if they're in a good time, you know, hey, we rejoice with you, we're glad Especially new believers, though, they may not realize that this high that they have at this point, this great experience that they're having right now, that that might not last forever. If it does, praise Jesus, hallelujah, but they'll be the exception to the rule. That most people are going to go through a lot of ups and downs in their life. And so helping especially new believers understand, hey, you're doing great, keep on. I want you to know there, there's going to be times it's going to be tough. And sometimes we have to remind people, hey, yeah, it's tough right now, but it will be better. But, you know, remember Jesus promised to be with you. He strengthened them through leadership as well. 
The Bible tells us that in verse 23 that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church. One of the things about a church is that it was never made uh, to be some one-man show. God never said, well, I want a king, a CEO, uh, an absolute ruler over a church, and everybody follow that one person. That, that's never what God's plan is. He always planned for a multiplicity, a, a number of rulers in a church, a number of overseers or leaders, however you want to call it. And it's interesting, you might question, well, why didn't they, when they started these churches, put elders in place? Did, did they forget? Is that, was it kind of like when you go on vacation and you got to turn back around, oh, we left the oven on, or oh, I forgot this thing, I got to get, and you know, I got to go back. Is that why they turned all the way back, because they forgot to do elders? No, they didn't forget. But they wanted to see, I believe. Paul told Timothy uh, later on in the book of 1 Timothy, he, they said, don't be, don't be hasty about laying on hands. Paul wanted to come back through and say, okay, all these people were happy about Jesus, excited about Jesus, they loved him, they were converted, but now I come back a few months later, let's see who's been serving. Let's see who's still uh, walking the walk and talking the talk, who is still going for Jesus. And at that point, when they saw who was still living strong for Jesus, they could say, okay, these people need to be elders in this church. And that's important as we grow, as we look at leaders we want people who are currently on fire for the Lord, absolutely. But, but we also want to look back a little ways and say, is this just a flash in the pan or, or do we see some consistency? Not that their life was perfect, not that they've never made mistakes, but, but is there a consistent pattern here that, that we can count on these people to be leaders in our church? And so as you and I think about strengthening others, first of all, what is this leadership thing? Well, we can support our leaders. We can pray for them. Uh, we can certainly ask the Lord to prepare us if he puts us in a leadership position. And if we are leaders, then we need to say, God, help me. Let me depend on you. God, help me to bless others. But all of us should be involved and in, in part of providing leadership. Fourth, there's trust. A key to strengthening people is having trust or faith in what God would do. So after Paul and Barnabas appointed these leaders in the church, it says, with prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You ever heard of a micromanager? You ever had a micromanager that you've had to deal with? If you've been there, you know firsthand. If you haven't, you've, you've heard it described how someone, they won't let you do what you're supposed to do because they're constantly hovering over you. And, and they won't just trust you to do the job that they hired you to do. And it's a completely frustrating situation. If you've been there, you know that. Well, the Bible doesn't teach us when we appoint leaders that we micromanage them. The Bible tells us that, that Paul and Barnabas, that, that they prayed for these folks, and then, you know, they, they laid hands on them, not as a way of control, 
Not as a way of, okay, we're ordaining you, so now you have to follow us and do everything we told you to do. The Bible says that they're praying and laying on hands. That was a way of releasing them to the Lord. It was saying, okay, now, God, it's in your hands how these people lead. We've prayed for them. We've, we've taught them. We've worked alongside them. We believe that they're the people that they need to be to serve. But, God, ultimately, it's up to you. Lord, we're putting them in your hands. You know, we need to pray for leadership. Pray for the Sunday school teachers in our church. Pray for the elders in our church. Pray for our staff members. Pray for anyone who's in leadership. Because ultimately, we have to trust that God is going to work through them to bless other people. The whole thing of of church, it's not that we form this tight organization where, where we keep our thumb on everybody underneath each level of power and control. It's rather we say, God, these folks, Lord, we leave them to you. We give them to you. Bless them. Use them to build the kingdom of God. There's a problem sometimes in, uh, in churches. When we get a new member, one of two things happens. Now, if we know that in their last church that they've been super involved, and they've been on the board of this and the board of that. Maybe they were on the headboard and they taught this and taught that. We're like, ooh. I mean, we are like predators waiting. You know, you, you can, it's almost like being in the, the safari jungle and the lion is waiting to pounce. We're like, oh, yeah, fresh meat. <laughs> we can get out of some of these things we've been doing because here's some fresh meat and we're going to get them and pull them in. And, and all of a sudden, we overwhelm them just as bad as they were overwhelmed in their last church where they finally had to say, I'm getting out of here because I'm overwhelmed. And, and we repeat the same mistake. But other times... Uh, Someone can be new to the church, and it's like, well, you know, we're watching them. We've been watching about five years now, and I think maybe they're almost ready to serve. Maybe we can be sure by now that they're good enough and they fit our standards, and, and that's not the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, yes, do we take precautions Absolutely, especially like in our children and, and, and things like that. We, we take precautions, but the idea is that we have to have a certain amount of trust in people and to allow them to serve, to allow them to use the gifts and abilities that God has given them to strengthen and be a part of the church. Because we could always say, well, uh, you know, it's just easier for me to do it by myself. And guess what? That is true. But you'll never train anyone, you'll never strengthen anyone, and you'll never grow if we're trying to say, okay, this one person or this small group of people, they do everything and we don't trust anybody else. You have to be like Paul and Barnabas and say, God, we believe these are the right ones. Here they are. We want them to serve. Bless them. Watch over them. Finally, in strengthening other believers and strengthening the church, there's a role of celebration in the church. There's a role of testimony in the church. The Bible tells us when they finally did make their way back to Antioch, in verse 27, 
Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together, and they reported everything how God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. You know what they had when they got back home? A big old testimony service. They had a time of celebrating the win. They had a time of enjoying what God had done. And, and sometimes we don't do that enough. I mean, we, we do that uh, to a degree. I mean, sometimes on Wednesday night and sometimes in Sunday school or, you know, even in session meeting. There, there's definitely times where we say, hey, there's this good thing that happened. Praise Jesus. And we share. And, and every once in a while, maybe on a Wednesday night, we'll have a, a, a special time of sharing. And I wonder, though, if we do that often enough, though. Because there's so much bad and there's so much negative that goes on in the world Maybe sometimes we just need to take more time to say, here's what God's doing. And, and I'm not saying uh, paint a rosy picture that's not true. I'm sure that when he sat in front of, of all those folks in Antioch, he told them about how he got stoned in, in, in one city. And in another city, he barely made it out of there before he got stoned and, and how they were getting thrown into prison. And, and they told him about this tough stuff. But I imagine that they were saying, and God's grace was with us. And he... he Maybe he closed one door, but he opened another door, and he gave us grace to, to make it through, and, and they were sharing the good things. We need to share with one another what God is doing in our church, in our personal lives. We need to share what God's doing with one another. I was on, um, there's a, a, a page called Ch Cumberland Chatter. It is a, a Facebook page, a group for people who are involved in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Uh, you know, I think it's probably mostly pastors or whatever on there. But, um, you know, the other day, it was, it was so nice. Someone just mentioned about what God was doing in their church. And six people had gotten saved recently, and uh, they had been donated a new church bus. And, and, and he was listing, like, three or four different things God was doing. And... I thought it was so great that, you know, you always wonder on the internet. You, you just always wonder there's going to be that troll, that, that person, right? But uh, at least at that one point in time, there might have been th people thinking jealous or negative thoughts, but at least at this point in time, people were saying, amen, that's great. Thanks for sharing. God's doing great stuff. And they were all positive type replies. And, and I thought, you know, that's great because that pastor wasn't bragging on himself, he was bragging on Jesus. He was saying, this is what God is doing in our midst. And, you know, we, we need to stop sometimes and just say, God, thank you. Lord, thank you for the amazing blessings that you've done in, in my life. Thank you for what you've done in her life or his life. We need to take the time to celebrate what God has done. So, how do we strengthen others if they want to be strengthened, if they would like to be strengthened, encouraged? We encourage them. Sometimes we warn them or give them that reality check, remind them, hey, life's tough, but hang in there because God's with you. We provide leadership for them, or we help them to plug into good leadership. We trust God with them and with our church, and we celebrate what God's done. When we do those things, we strengthen the church. 
We bring those bonds together. There is a very real possibility, and I don't know why sometimes we don't acknowledge that, that if we don't reach out and encourage one another, as the author of Hebrews says, stir one another up, encourage good works. If we don't do that, people can fall through the cracks and they can get away. But if we look out for one another and encourage each other, then that church is strengthened. Would you pray with me today? Father God, we live in a time in which it's, it's, it's always easy to get discouraged. It's always easy to get down. And God, we need to be lifted up. We need to be encouraged. Father, I thank you that this is a, uh, a congregation of encouragers, a congregation of people who, who look to lift one another up. Father, that's refreshing to be a part of. God, help us to each have that kind of mindset that I'm going to help others. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to walk with them through tough times. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to celebrate with them. Father, help us to have that mindset so that not only we would be selfishly looking for our own strength and encouragement, God, but we would be sharing that type of encouragement and love and strength with others. Lord, help us now to uh, give ourselves to you, uh, to surrender, Father, anything that needs to be surrendered, to confess anything that needs to be confessed, to unload any burdens that we shouldn't be carrying. Father, simply to praise you. Father, maybe we need to ask for your help because God, we know there's an area which we need your help for victory, and we, we've been defeated, and God, we need your help. Lord, maybe there's somebody here that, that just, uh, just needs encouragement and strength. Lord, whatever it is, I pray that we would approach you for that. God, that we would come to you with our needs. Bless this time of invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.